Good morning, Phil. I'm very good. I'm uh, I'm enjoying watching the US Open uh, golf this week. US Open tennis last week, but a bit of breaking news this morning before yeah. we get on to that. US Open champion last week, Naomi Osaka from Japan, of course, won a third Grand Slam last week. Uh, in the last hour, has pulled out of the French Open, mm. which starts a week on Sunday, the second... Uh, the, the, the next Grand Slam tournament at Roland Garros, where they are going to have fans. They're talking about 5,000 a day there. Actual uh, fans. Socially distanced. But unfortunately, the uh, the new US Open champion will not be there, unfortunately. That's breaking in the last hour. She's got a hamstring injury. She had it strapped all through the US Open, and uh, she says it's too sore, and uh, she needs to rest it up. So uh, we wish her well, and uh, I'm sure we'll see her back on on the tour very very soon uh, and she is of course now the uh the asian player who's won the most grand slams in history uh, mm. lee na of china won two previously no asian male has won a grand slam tennis tournament naomi osaka congratulations to her for last week uh three-time grand slam champion now the most of any player from our region in asia so uh She's great for our sport, I think, and she's great for Asian tennis. So uh, let's hope she recovers soon. But uh, talking of the other U.S. Open that started last night or overnight and finished early this morning, the U.S. Open Golf Championship. But uh, the infamous winged foot, probably the toughest golf course on the circuit. Well, um, overnight, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, former world number one, of course, um, number three in the world at the moment, didn't make it look so tough. He shot a 65, which is the lowest round ever at winged foot to uh, lead the tournament. And he said afterwards it was one of the best rounds he's ever played. Yeah, it was a good day from from the start. I, I just played really, really solidly, hit a lot of really quality tee shots. Um, only had a few squirrely ones, I felt like. But a few greens I missed. I, I hit great bunker shots to, to give myself good par chances. Um, and, yeah, it was just it was a, it was a really – Really solid round of golf. It was one of the best rounds I've played in a while, tee to green. Um, you know, there's a couple things here and there that definitely could have been better, but it's just I made sure that all my misses were in the right spot, and uh, that's what you have to do at US Open. That's what you have to do at US Open. And, uh, yeah, he certainly did. Like I say, the best round ever at Wing Foot. Now, this this uh, is one of the historic sort of US Open venues up in New York there. Yeah. Uh, first held the U.S. Open in 1929 at Wingfoot and uh, was won by Bobby Jones, who, of course, went on to found the Masters, one of the greats. Won by, uh, tied uh, tied after 72 holes, and then they had, in those days, he used to have a two-day playoff over 36 holes. He won that by 23 strokes. So uh, he had enough for tying it at the end and uh, went away. But, uh, uh, you know, this, this course has only been won with a score under par once. That was Fuzzy Zeller, who finished four under par in... Uh, in 1984 to put Justin Thomas's round in a perspective. And uh, in 1974, it's called the Massacre at Wing Foot when Hale Irwin won with a score seven over par, which is the highest score uh, in relation to par since the word par was invented, which would you believe was only in 1911. But seven over par, that remains the highest to win a major ever, Hale Irwin. And uh, people were talking about that week. You couldn't find your ankles, let alone the ball. The rough was so thick. I mean, what makes this course amazing is that the, the greens are humpy and bumpy, multi-tiered and very, very fast. And they're sort of like upturned saucers. If you get on the wrong side, your ball will just go off the green. The rough is really, really thick. As you said, I mean, you could literally, Phil, to put it in your terms that you might understand, if you put a bottle of wine down in some parts, <laughs> you would struggle to find it. It's that deep and that thick. It's that deep. Um, <laughs> uh, why did you say uh, and the, and the bunkers are vast, so if you like playing in the sand, this is your course. But uh, another player is a 
struggled to uh, get off to good starts in majors recently, not least at his home sort of major at the at the Open Championship last year at, um, at Port Royal, Port Rush. Mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy um, had a disaster in the first round there, and he, he really has struggled sometimes in the first rounds of major. But uh, he seems to be having a new lease of life, and why not? He was a dad two weeks ago. He had a first child, Poppy. Eric, his wife, Erica, gave birth to Poppy just two weeks ago. And uh, it's really done Rory some good. I think he's playing with a bit of freedom. He's three under par, just just off the lead. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's about time he got off to a good start in majors. And I think it's going to stand him well for that. Because he's always been playing catch-up in the past. And now he, he's there in with a shout. And I think it's great. And uh, he said afterwards, you know, it was a really good start. Obviously, a, a really good start. Played the par threes really well. Played those in three under for the day. Drove the ball better, uh, you know. I, I put the ball in play much uh, much more today than I have done in the previous few weeks. So that bodes well. Hopefully, I can keep that going over the next three days. Uh, and that's what you need to do around here: just keep it in the short stuff. And then, you know, the greens are still receptive enough where you can you can give yourself some chances. And um, you know, I, I I took a couple of my chances today. I, you know, it was. One of those rounds, I felt like it could have been a little lower than it was, but at the same time, 67's a, a really good start. Yeah, 67 for Rory, a really solid opening round there. 66 is uh, in joint second place with Patrick Reed, who had a hole in one at the seventh hole. One bounce and slam dunk. Patrick Reed, of course, we've seen playing in Hong Kong a couple of times in recent years. Just played in Hong Kong Open, and we hope to see him back again soon. Not everyone's cup of tea, Patrick, known as Captain America. Rubs people up the wrong way, and dare I say it, has been accused of cheating once or twice, but uh, we'll leave that conversation for another day. But Thomas Peters of Belgium, another new dad. He's just recently had a baby as well, alongside Rory. There's something in this dad thing, because he's four under, going well. And Matthew Wolfe, who's uh, quite young, 23, a bit young to be a dad yet, He's at four under par as well. Lee Westwood of England, who missed the previous major a few weeks ago, the PGM, because he didn't want to travel in the, with the COVID restrictions. He's gone over to America this time. 47-year-old, former world number one, three under par as well. So good for the European guys, but uh, not so good for Tiger Woods, who uh, found himself a bit too often in that infamous rough. I mean, he was a little bit unlucky in parts of his round. I watched most of his round l- late last night and... Yeah. Uh, he hit some good drives and he found himself, you know, literally a foot off the fairway in impossible lies in the rough and could just bump it forward a few yards. He had one where he had a, he had only 172 yards to the green and he couldn't get anywhere near and plopped it in a fairway bunker. I mean, so he, he, he had a bit of rough and he had a bit of smooth. He, he, he had a really good run at the end of the round, uh, in the middle of the round. But at the end of the round, he finished disastrously bogey, double bogey to finish three off the par, eight shots off the pace. And um, he said he sort of afterwards lamented his poor round, but more than that, his poor finish. Uh, the, the middle part of my round, a lot of things went, went my way. Um, beginning part of the round, it seemed like things weren't going my way. Um, good tee shots were ending up in, in the rough and b- bad spots. And uh, I had a little, nice little hot run there in, in the middle part of my round. Uh, hit a really good putt at... Uh, at 12, thought, you know, thought I was going to go in, and then I lipped it out, and then I, you know, my two bogeys after that, and then didn't finish off around uh, the way I needed to. Bit of an understatement there, dropping three shots in the last two holes, didn't finish off the way he needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to needs to tidy up considerably if he's going to make the cut. I mean, 
US Open three over par. I mean, scores worse, as I've said, have won it than that. Last time it was played at Wingfoot in 2006, Jeff Ogilvie won with five over par uh, because Phil Mickelson double bogeyed the last hole when he needed a par to win. And Colin Montgomery did the same. That's how tough this course is. What of Phil Mickelson uh, still needs that elusive US Open win to complete a career Grand Slam. He's not going to get it this year. He had an absolute nightmare. 79 in his first round, nine over par. Um, he's 50 years old now, lefty. And I think, you know, the, the US Open is he's going to escape him again this year. And, and as the years tick by, I don't think we're ever going to see him in the mix. Um, uh, the Asian number one, Jazz, Jana Watanonda, another one we've seen in Hong Kong plenty of times. He finished on the same mark as uh, Tiger Woods. He's struggled, really, since the restart in America. Hasn't done anything on the PGA Tour. He's the sort of player who likes to play week in, week out, week in, week out. And he, with the sort of stop-start nature of the season, hasn't done him any good at all. But uh, had some good signs in his round, but uh, finished at three over par 73. So he's got a bit of work to do as well if he's going to make the weekend. Second round tonight. Do urge you to try and catch it on TV because it is a fantastic uh, course and, and a fantastic tournament, the US Open. It's on Fox Sports uh, uh, all weekend, so uh, catch it if you can. Mm. Um, um, moving on to football, our favourite topic on here. I don't know if anybody's come on Facebook with any queries about this. but uh, Not yet because you haven't massive... mentioned F1. I haven't mentioned F1, yeah. Where's our F1 people? Come on, there was another <laughs> exciting race last week. Uh, anyway, back to football and um, big news, big news in the transfer world uh, this week that uh, Gareth Bale, who left Tottenham for uh, then a world record fee when he went to Real Madrid seven years ago, he's on his way back and he's on his way back to Spurs, would you believe? And uh, it'll be, I'd just be great to see him back in the Premier League. He's still one of the world's best players. He's so exciting to watch. And uh, as the fixture list always has a habit of throwing up these quirky things. If he gets back and signs today, he's supposed to be flying back today and could sign for Tottenham today. And if he signs in time, he could be in the team on Sunday. And who will they play? Southampton. Tottenham play Southampton, who's the club that Gareth Bale, of course, signed as a 17-year-old, came from Southampton to Tottenham, um, developed under Harry Redrap and then Andre Villas-Boas into the the world-class player we know he is. Well, you've woken a few people up, mate, because uh, Rick's just popped up. It just says, footy. Come on, Rick, bring it on. Spent force, glad it's Spurs and not United. There we go. Spent force. Well, Man United were chasing him, so there's a bit of sour grapes there from a Man United fan, I think. (laughs) Listen, he's only 31. He's uh, whatever you think about him. He's not had the opportunities to shine at Real Madrid in recent years. He's had injuries over the years, but... I just think of some of the stuff he did when he was at Spurs first time, uh, destroyed Mykon in uh, Inter Milan, who's called the best left back in the world, absolutely destroyed him um, when Spurs played in Milan in the Champions League. But since he went to Real Madrid, I mean, he scored, they, they won the Champions League how many times? Four times he's won the Champions League. He scored goals in the finals uh, for fun. The bicycle kick he scored against in the final against Liverpool a few years ago is probably one of the best goals you've ever seen in, we've ever seen in a Champions League final. I also think the Copa del Rey uh, final goal he scored against Barcelona, an absolute wonderful, wonderful goal. He ran from the halfway line. The defender tried to put him in the crowd and did. Still ran round him, sort of shook hands with the crowd on the way, outstripped him for pace and scored a brilliant goal to win the Copa del Rey against arch-rivals Barcelona. So with that sort of excitement to come, I mean, it's only good that he's back in the Premier League. And mm. uh, 
going to cost Spurs in the region of sort of 20 million euros in wages uh, uh, just for one season, probably, and, and with a view to making it permanent after that. It looks like it's going to come on some sort of loan deal. Also excited for Spurs fans is that uh, also coming with him probably is Sergio Reguilón, this uh, left-back from Real Madrid, who's a really talented left-back, uh, on out on loan, out of favour. Another one is out of favour with Zidane at Real Madrid. Mm. Out on loan last year at Sevilla, and they came fourth, punched above their weight, came fourth in La Liga, so uh, had a really good season. I think it's just what Spurs need is... Uh, is a bit of shoring up the defence and uh, a bit more excitement in attack. So, What about this then? United have a habit of poor buys. Play the kids, they'll never let us down. Good good shout, really. I mean, United still seem to be on this endless chase for Jadon Sancho. Uh, they have bought Donny Van Beek, who's a good young prospect from, from Ajax. I think it's good. And Bruno Fernandes has undoubtedly been a good signing since he came last January. And uh, we'll see how they pitch up this week. Man United, of course, didn't play last week because they've been playing in Europe quite late. So they pitch up uh, tomorrow. They'll play Crystal Palace in their first game. And really, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is over the honeymoon period now. He has improved the club. He's got rid of a bit dead deadwood in Lukaku and, and Alexis sorted out the Alexis Sanchez situation, got rid of him. Mm. Now's the time United fans will, will not just accept, you know, getting in, scraping into the top four and getting in the Champions League. He needs to start winning trophies this season. So see how, how that goes. But uh, undoubtedly, looking ahead to this weekend, you know, the, the big game is, uh, is on Sunday. Chelsea, who looked really, really good in their first game last week. And we highlighted them last week, Frank Lampard talking about the new season and he's not going to settle for just making third or fourth place. He's come here to win uh, against Liverpool. And a first real test of the Champions medal and how they're shipping up this season. It's a game that it, it, last year you would have expected Liverpool to win. This year, I'm not so sure. Chelsea are improved. Liverpool are still as good as they ever were. But... Uh, you know, it might just be a share of the points in this one if, if you had to hold me to it, maybe 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. But uh, I think it's going to be a great game to watch and a fascinating sort of pointer to the way the rest of the season is going to go because everybody's expecting these two to be up there and competing yeah. again this season. Liverpool certainly and Chelsea to be joining them up there. And the other team we haven't talked about much this season so far because they haven't played yet as well is Manchester City, runners-up last season, champions of the previous two years, of course. And um, they've got a pretty tough start. They don't play till Monday night, but they're away at Wolves. And we know Wolves are a really handy outfit these days, especially at home. And I think it's going to be a tough start for Man City. And uh, Pep Guardiola, his contract's up next season. And, um, you know, that's going to prompt a bit of speculation if he doesn't get what he wants, that he's, he's maybe going to be on his way in a year or two's time. And uh, he nearly sought out defence. I think he doesn't know what his best defence is at the moment, and especially at centre-half. You know, he's brought Nathan Ake in from Bournemouth. Um, he's got John Stones and uh, Nicholas Osamendi, who seem to be out of favour at the moment. Um, Emmerich Laporte seems to be favoured. But, uh, you know, it, it's not, not a happy camp there in central defence, and he really needs to sort out the spine of that team. Going forwards, no doubts about Manchester City, you know, with... With Aguero back fit as the spearhead, and you've got you know the likes of De Bruyne and Sterling and Mares feeding him, and uh, and Phil Foden coming through, We're expecting great things from the young Englishman this year. I don't think they're going to have problem, any problem scoring goals, Man City. But as we saw several occasions last season, they have got a bit of a soft centre at the back, and he needs to sort that out, Guardiola. So I'll be interested to see how they pitch up on Monday against Wolves. Uh, yeah. uh, the weekend starts off with Everton, West Brom. Tomorrow, that's a, that's the early game. Uh, Southampton, Tottenham, if Bale is, is in, will be worth watching at 7 o'clock in the evening. 
Sunday our time. And uh, I'll be also intrigued to, to one other game to look out for, I think, tomorrow, 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Battle of the two promoted side. Leeds, who looked really good in losing 4-3 to Liverpool last week, but they did lose, um, but looked quite potent going forward as well, against Fulham. And it's hard to see where Fulham are going to get goals from, having, having seen them pretty abject against Arsenal last week, who again, who Arsenal looked very good as well, but pretty abject. So uh, I think this could be a real pointer as to which ends of the table these two clubs are going to, these two promoted clubs are going to end up at. Fulham at the bottom end, I think, and Leeds are going to be pushing into the top half. But uh, I think that's an intriguing battle because uh, they played many, many times in the Championship uh, last season. Mm-hmm. Um, different kettle of fish once you get in the Premier League. So that's the highlights of the weekend's football. And uh, we're all looking forward, apart from our Man United friends, of course, to uh, having Gareth Bale back in the Premier League. And um, he once said, I'll leave you with this thought, he, he, he really signalled the end of the road at Real Madrid last season when he, he went off and, uh, on international duty and he held up a banner which said, in order of preference, uh, what was it? Wales, golf, Real Madrid. Um, <laughs> he likes his golf as well, so I'm sure Gareth will be watching the US Open tonight, as will I. So uh, it's the weekend of sport in Prospect, and we'll talk about it all and all next week. Danny Hicks with this week's Sports and All. Thank you very much, as always.